Welcome to episode 109 of Coffee Pods and Wads. Um, as always, this episode is sponsored by Rain Body Feel, the ultimate fitness-focused drink to support performance, and also kindly sponsored by Ollie Clothing, a brand dedicated to helping you in your pursuit of success. Ollie make products that support all active endeavors, and they create content that adds clarity and convenience to the self-development process. Speaking of self-development, BirdBoxCoachDevelopment.com are also on board, and they will help develop a coach in a personal sense through self-discovery while learning academically about the psychological side of coaching. And you can use the code Pods for twenty percent off. Uh, we have a new addition to the crew as well. Uh, Wadproof have jumped on as sponsors for the next couple of episodes. Um, if you're doing the open. If you're planning on doing any online qualifiers or any competitions that are coming up, you know, Masters Fitness Collective, um, online age group qualifiers, Filthy, you're probably going to have some kind of online thing, any local competitions, they'll all need a timer visible and you'll need space before you start the timer, uh, countdown to show your setup, your measurements, your weights, etc., which you also need for the Open. Uh, Wildproof covers everything there. Um, it's easy, it's free, it's trusted by over 300,000 people, including me, um, and some other people, you know, you probably don't know Knowles and so, you know, Sarah Sigmund's are a few other people. Um, it's a no-brainer for any workout I need to record. It's the first thing I think of because um, it just has everything covered. You don't have to worry about having a clock and shot or anything. Um, today's guest is Armando Perez. Uh, Armando is, he just has a phenomenal story to share. Um, he suffered a huge loss and trauma during his life um, and he turned things around thanks in no small part to CrossFit and especially everyone at Peak360 in Florida. Um, his attitude and demeanor are essentially just the opposite of what you'd expect uh, someone who's gone through what he has to be. Um, I think there's something in this episode for everyone. So enjoy, listen, share and tag. First of all, thanks William for um, coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out. Um, we'll start off nice and easy. So I see you, dr- are you drinking coffee there now. Man, so what's in here, my brother, is two tablespoons of grass-fed butter and one of MCT oil, man. This is my, uh, I like to say my secret sauce, even though the information is available to all, fam. Uh, It's how I kick off my day. And dude, I don't touch another calorie besides these 400 of fat to like noon, one o'clock typically. I assume there's coffee in it as well. It's not just butter and oil. Yeah, you know, that, that would be kind of rough, you know. But yeah, there's there's 12 ounces of, uh, of drip coffee in here, my brother. That's nice. Is that like a Chemex or uh, one of those uh, like old-fashioned drip machines? Yeah, man. So it's a mixture of either the old-fashioned drip machine I did today or sometimes I do the French press. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, which, which I'm a fan as well. I'm here um, speaking to you from beautiful Palm Springs and we have so many little craft coffee joints. Yeah. So I'll go by the bean and then we grind it here and that aroma. I am a sucker for the whole experience of the coffee. I think I like the experience more than the actual liquid, you know? Yeah, I think I, that's one of the, the I suppose, uh, really nice or lovely things about coffee is that you get that, like, like it's if you want it to be it can be just something that's quick and takes you two minutes and you're out the door with it or if you want it to be you can make it take 20 minutes and you can really immerse yourself in the whole like process of it and the routine and the you know the um just the enjoyment of actually making it like the process of it um yeah yeah if you're if you're running out the door to work similarly you can have it done in two minutes and be like you know just down it as you're getting into your car or whatever um (sighs) Do you, uh, do you have a coffee memory then? Um, something like, you know, a place you were, a person you were with or something like that where maybe you shared a coffee or had a, um, an enjoyable experience around coffee? 
So, man, that is such an interesting question. And I want to give you an interesting answer, man. And uh, it'll tie into what we'll talk about later. You know, my mom, brother, used to be a huge coffee drinker. And I would be in the kitchen with her in the mornings as she's making her coffee. And I tried it, I want to say maybe when I was about 17, 18, and it was so bitter and disgusting. So the, the irony is I enjoyed watching her drink her coffee in the kitchen. I would sit down at the table with her in the mornings. And then now, obviously, she's, she's no longer around and we'll get into that. I enjoy the coffee with her more than ever today than I did even when she was here in physical form. So all to say, coffee for me is very uh, spiritual experience. And my, um, my grandfather told me two things, brother. And one of them has to do with women, which I don't think it's appropriate for the podcast, you know, little words of wisdom. But the other one was, he would call me Armandito, right? Armando and Armandito is like small Armando. And he goes, Armandito, and he would say it in Spanish, so I'm translating it. He's like, the day you start to drink coffee, make sure you sip it slowly. And if you find yourself drinking coffee for the energy, you're drinking it for the wrong reasons. Brother, wow, I live that. You know, So having this wonderful Bulletproof coffee with you, talking about what we're talking about, this is the intention of coffee in my life, not for the energy, right? Because the energy is within, brother. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, it's actually funny. Someone I was I put up a question box sometimes on Instagram, you know, just see if anyone has any questions they want answered. And someone asked me for my coffee memory the other day, and I shared it. And they were like, uh, "I had a, I had a coffee the day my daughter was born," and like I just I'll never forget that. I can't I can't actually remember the actual coffee, but I know I'll never forget the like where I was and stuff. And um, they said like, "Oh, that's kind of nice." And then I was like, "Well, I actually have another one where I remember being really pissed off at my dad. I can't remember over what." But I was like, yeah. I was maybe nine, like somewhere around there. And I was really, we'd had an argument about something and he'd be quite stubborn. Like, you know, he's very, he's a, like a farmer and he seemed, it was as if he was always like 80 years old. He was just like <laughs> perpetually old in my mind. But um, I remember being really pissed off at him. And I said, I was like, oh, I'll make him a coffee, but I'll put a mm. shit, I'll put a shit ton of coffee into it. So I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, do you want a coffee? And he was like, yeah, right. So I went out and I put like, like seven tablespoons of like you know instant coffee into it start it was like <laughs> tar brought it back into him gave it to him and he drank it and like never noticed and then as i was telling the girl that story i was like well, you know now that i think about it he probably did notice but just didn't give me the pleasure of like turning his face <laughs> you know, realize like well yeah just when you talked about your mom there it reminded me of that um do you uh do you listen to a lot of podcasts because obviously you travel a good bit so is is audiobooks or podcasts oh. that you get into Man, I am into a lot of podcasts. And, um, you know, one that I'm really into right now is Rich Roll. Man, this is an inspiring human being, you know, that uh, yeah, essentially, you know, like everybody in life, right, had adversity and, um, you know, overcame it. And now he's sharing, you know, his quote unquote secrets on how he overcame adversity. And the other day I was listening to him and Matthew McConaughey and it was such an awesome podcast. So yeah, man, I'm on podcasts all the time. And, you know, I, you know, I enjoy a little bit of Sam Harris. I must admit, you know, I think he's just a brilliant human being and some of the themes and guests are really impressive. And, you know, I like Joe Rogan, man. I think um, outside of his popularity, I think his ability to interview and engage in long form conversation and letting 
his guests really speak their mind and giving him such a beautiful platform to share even with people that he disagrees with. I'm a big fan. And dude, the list goes on and on. What is it that brings you back then for a second episode? Like, is it the, is it the, say the, the list of guests that come up? Like, do you search people out or is it that you find say like that, where you found, um, you know, Joe and you enjoy his conversational style. Is that what brings you back? Yeah. Great question. So for sure, there's a draw to guests. Like for example, I'm a huge Tesla fan, SpaceX and everything, Elon Musk. And, you know, Elon was just on with Joe. So I, I went to listen. However, what really keeps me coming back is when the interviewer, you feel that genuinely doesn't have his mind made up and doesn't have an agenda for the guest. He's allowing the guest to uh, paint on a blank canvas, if you will. Mm. So that is great, man. That tells me a lot about the person because, you know, when we're married to our opinions, fam, and they're in fact opinions because we don't know the facts, I think that's a recipe for disaster. So people that I feel are genuinely there to allow their guests to speak their truth and see their perspective. And um, it's almost like they don't ask why, fam. They ask how. So how did you come about to think the way that you think versus why do you think the way you think? Mm. So that how, when they lead with that versus why, tells me that they're genuinely interested in finding out the person's motivation behind their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that's big, man. That, that captivates me, man. That's cool. Um, so you originally you were in Miami, is that right? Correct, man. I, uh, I was born in Venezuela and lived in Miami for almost 30 years. And is Peak 360, is that where you found CrossFit or did you kind of just end up training there? Dude, I found CrossFit in a park in Miami called Tropical Park with my best friend in the world, Guido Trinidad. Dude, this dude used to run boot camps in a park out of the trunk of his car where you're going to appreciate this story. The beast was the 35-pound kettlebell, brother. If you were able to swing the 35-pound kettlebell with Guido Trinidad in the park, you were the beast. Just to show you know, w- where it came from. And uh, Guido inspired me, man. He made me throw up in a 300 workout in which he completed the workout, brother. I was halfway through and throwing up. And, and I thought I was fit because I've had a six pack since I was born. I think my six pack is more um, genetically gifted. You know, I, I must admit that. So, you know, Guido saw me. He's like, oh, man, you're in shape. I'm like, oh, I'm in the best shape in my life. I was in global gym shape, man. I had no idea what this high-intensity crap was. And he humbled me, man. And uh, as anyone that embraces humility, I said, hey, help me. You know, I asked Guido for help. And, dude, he took me underneath his wing, showed me everything about high-intensity training and CrossFit. And it led to a brotherhood, man. I consider him, you know, my top favorite human on earth, dude. That's cool. Um, yeah. What's it like then? Obviously, like Miami is kind of, it's like this, I don't know, like the stuff that you see shared about it is this kind of like summery haven, like that's almost like all year round. And then you've got stuff like, you know, you've got Peak 360 and you've got Noah and, you know, like Loud and Live yeah. is around there and you've got like Wadapalooza yeah. and like there's all this kind of yeah. buzz around. Is it an exciting place to be when it comes to fitness? Man, it's a super exciting place to be. And, you know, 
I think the general cultural aspects of Miami just make for a, a solid foundation for excitement across so many industries, including fitness, right? I mean, you have a, a melting pot of cultures. And, uh, oh, my God, I mean, you know, when, uh, when Guido started Wadapalooza and I was, you know, one of, if you will, you know, founding supporters, You'll appreciate this story, you know, besides the fact that Wadapalooza was represented by so many different countries on the first year, it was Guido, Steve and myself emceeing. And at one point in time, we didn't even have enough judges, brother. And I'm on the MC floor. Guido can best tell you the story. And I'm like, all right, we need an additional judge. You there in the bleachers, you're going to be a judge. And they're like, what? I literally run onto the bleachers with the scorecard of the wad, explain it to them in real time, drag them out onto the floor, and that man became a judge and will never forget that experience, which is what make, made Wadapalooza great and will continue to make Wadapalooza great if they honor the experience and why Guido created that event, man. But yeah, Miami is an exciting place to be, brother, for fitness. Yeah, it must be crazy as well seeing Wadapalooza like where it is now, like that it's like it's one of the go-to. If you ask, like if you ask basically any athlete who's been there, I'd say 95% of them will say, oh, my favorite place is Wadapalooza. That's my favorite event. That's the, that's the one I loved. And I'd say a lot of the spectators as well. It's one of those unique, they've got the perfect, um, they're kind of straddling the line between making it really exciting and like a party for the spectators and really engaging yeah. and a party for the athletes. It's really cool to watch. Yeah, man. I think you phrased that so wonderfully because yeah, at first it does feel like, are, are we at an event or are we at an entertainment experience? What are we doing here? Right. Mm -hmm. And what's really unique about that juxtaposition, if you will, is that, it brings a lot of people in because of the lights, because yeah. of the show, because of, quote unquote, the facade, which, you know, Miami could be a little bit of a facade city, if you know what I mean. But then once you're there for an hour or two, you feel what it's about. So, mm -hmm. you know, at, and at times in life, fam, you need a hook, right? You need someone to draw people in. And then if there's authenticity behind the origin and the motivation, those people will stay. And everyone that's come to Wadapalooza, man, they stay and they keep coming back for more because it's much more than fitness. It's truly a celebration of life, man. And that was that was all Guido, man, really founding that. And then uh, you mentioned Noah. Can I tell you a funny story about Noah? Yeah, go for it. I am humbly a dinosaur. I'm 42 years old, guys, and I don't do well with technology. I enjoy books, smelling them, the pages, and uh, I'm not that big into how to use a phone correctly. And recently, I'm, you know, I'm becoming a pilot, and I do these little elementary videos. So Noah is my mentor in helping me understand how to work social media. <laughs> so um, I spoke to him the other day, man, and he was like, well, dude, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And you're great at your genuineness, but you do have to be a little bit more intentional about this. And dude, Noah is such a beautiful soul, man. And um, you would not believe that Noah used to sleep waiting for Guido to come out of his office, fresh off his games year when Noah was first getting introduced, just to share 30 minutes of Guido's time on the floor in a workout. I mean, you, you talk about somebody that 
you know, felt that there was a connection between him and the sport called CrossFit and said, I need to surround myself around people that I want to model my future self around, Guido being one of them. And brother, it's been a privilege to see Guido and Noah and their brotherhood and, and, uh, and my brotherhood with them and see where they're at in their respective lives. And, and if there's one thing that they share in common, they're such great, humble, genuine dudes, man. Like kindness and love is at the center of everything they do. And oh my, they're, they're beautiful, man. I can go on for days and days, but I'll shut up here. <laughs> um we like okay we've a lot to unpack so you, i know you told me your story recently and I, like i was pretty floored by it so it was actually dylan from loud and live who's been on before that put us in touch um okay. so i think like i suppose i'll just let you tell your story um so that people can hear it and we, we'll unpack it as we go then yeah man I, I guess i'll just share my story quickly if we were in an elevator and I had to give the macro pitch of my story. We'll, it's just we'll, one we'll of it. We'll pretend it's a high rise. So you've got a bit of time. <laughs> there you go. Okay, cool. But at the end of the day, the story is about, you know, adversity and overcoming adversity and having the option, guys, to use adversity as a crutch to justify any shortcomings in life and or to use it to excel and to thrive. And I've chosen the latter. And basically in this order, and it usually kind of freaks people out, but my smile is genuine. So I'm doing well, guys. And it started off with my aunt that I never had a chance to meet. And then it was my grandfather that I never had a chance to meet. And then it was my uncle that I never had a chance to meet. And then it was my dad in 1995, which I obviously met. I was 16 years old at the time. And then my mom in 2009. And they all died by suicide, guys. And, um, you know, when you lose any loved one to any reason, guys, you know, disease, accident, and every other possible circumstance in between, it's challenging to say the least, right? But when you lose someone to suicide, it's a very particular loss, right? Because often the first thing that comes to mind is why? Why? Why did my mom, my dad, my aunt, uncle, and grandfather quote unquote, choose to take their life. And um, that why can either empower you or consume you for the rest of your life. And I chose for it to empower me in large part because the why they decided in the weakest moment of their life to take their physical life because they still exist in spiritual form is not important. That's very important for people to understand. We need to really celebrate our loved ones that have passed away. And the way we celebrate and honor them is to keeping alive the best thing that was in fact them. Not the moment of weakness. And we can do that even with loved ones that are alive with us today, man. We're imperfect beings and we can have a bad day. And maybe we blow a gasket and say something unkind to someone that we love. And it's important just to give everybody that we love the benefit of the doubt. And hopefully we get that in return when we make a mistake, when we exemplify to be human. So, so yeah, brother, you know, that's, um, that, that's essentially my story in a nutshell, you know, and this adversity has empowered me to be one of the happiest humans on earth. 
And um, being one of the happiest humans on earth doesn't mean I'm happy 24 seven. It means I know what's important, brother. And, uh, and, I, and it's not sweating the small stuff and it's continuing the relationship I have with my parents in spiritual form. I see you've uh, checked out some of my videos of me flying. My dad is next to me in spiritual form. So, so yeah, man, that's, that's me in a nutshell, man. Adversity for empowerment. That's what adversity is about. It's not to debilitate us. And it's not to put us in a mindset on how do we survive life? No, no, it's going to help us thrive. It's going to help us thrive. And is there a moment where, like, because obviously, say if you go back, like, 1995, um, what was your mom's year, 2002, is that what you said? 2009. 2009. Like, there's a big gap there. So had you, like, um, obviously, you, you've kind of, um, I guess, made sense of things or made your own sense of things now. And you've had, you know, the you mentioned that you're 42, like, you've got the benefit of maturity and the benefit of, like, yeah. You know, hindsight and life experiences and stuff, and thankfully you've you've found a way to to kind of line your ducks up in a row that makes sense to you. But obviously, yeah. if you're 16 when um, your dad takes his life, like I'm assuming that those uh, that maturity wasn't there, and that those like understandings of the why not being important and stuff wasn't there. So it was was like 95 to 2009. Was that like a dark period, or is it something like? It, you know, did it kind of ebb and flow and were some days okay and some days not okay? Man, brother, phenomenal question. Clearly a motivational question to understand. So thank you for that. Uh, dude, 1995, I must admit, was a blur. I had my mom and my dad passed away in Miami visiting me. However, you know, he was living in Venezuela. So for the time I was five years old and my parents divorced, my mom moves to Miami and my dad stayed in Venezuela. So I would see him every single summer. So when he takes his life in 95, I had my mom, which was my rock, dude, my rock, my rock. And in physical form, I would only experience my dad in the summers on my vacations when I would go spend it with him in Venezuela. So and when he passes, quote unquote, I didn't miss him physically for nine months of the year. Yeah. It was in the summer that I started to miss him, man, you know, because the summer dude was when I would be in Venezuela flying with him on an airplane, on a motorcycle, in a farm, in nature, in rivers, in waterfalls, on mountains. Everything I do today, brother, and people see in my social media is in honor of my dad, but I don't do it because of him. I do it because of him. It's in me and I genuinely do it for me now. Mm. So, and so to answer your question, you know, that was two totally different losses, 1995 versus 2009. I was debilitated in 2009, fam. And I wanted to share those poems with you because there was other poems in between. But what I shared with you was my single darkest day of desperation, the first one. And then what was it? I think like five, six months later, I put the date. The day I woke up and realized I was no longer depressed and it was a beautiful day. And what, like, did something spark that? Was there something that, like, did an event happen or was it just like a moment of clarity? You, you know what? It's funny. You're asking me if something happened. I'm going to tell you the answer. Something didn't happen. I cried endlessly. And I get a little teary eyed and these tears are out of positive emotions, which by the way, Tears are important, right? And um, fam, I hadn't cried 
in 21 days. And when I woke up that day and took an inventory, when was the last time that I cried? I was like, whoa, I haven't cried in 21 days. I was so happy, man. And I literally got out of bed, put my feet on the ground, got a pen. And on that paper, that's original paper I sent you, fam. I wrote what I wrote. It wasn't even scripted, man. That flowed from me with no edits or anything. And I think I have some typographical errors in there, if you notice. But all to say, fam, that's what happened, is that I had not cried in 21 days after crying for hours, for like six months, probably, you know, every day. Just bad, man. It, it was a bad time, for sure. Yeah, like I suppose, as you mentioned as well, it's kind of, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult, it's di like, thankfully I've been blessed where I haven't really had that much, uh, I suppose, close contact with death by suicide. Like, so I'm kind of, I guess in a, a, a privileged position, I suppose, but it's kind of, I imagine it's difficult not to overanalyze things, not to think about conversations mm. that you had, like even, mm. you know, months previously thinking like, God, I wonder, is that what they meant when they said this and whatever? And then it's, it really is like those stages of grief where you've got, you know, you, you, you won't accept it. And then you, you know, deny it and you, you know, you're angry or you're sad or you're, you know, blaming yourself, blaming other people. Like it's a lot to, uh, make sense of and it's a lot to mm. organize in your own head and then to have to make sense of it and to have to organize all those things while you're in grief makes it like 10 times more difficult 100 man and uh, you just struck a chord when you use the word or the phrase make sense i think part of the challenge is when we try to make sense of the past that has already happened and we no longer have control over Instead, if we focus to make sense of the future, look, and I'm going to give you a very point example. The day that I pulled up to the scene to identify my mom's body, that in fact it was her, um, I want to say 40 minutes or less after that moment, my brother Guido Trinidad pulled into the scene. And as you can imagine, a dramatic scene in the heart of downtown Miami in Brickell at 11 a.m. on a Sunday. I was in shock, as you can imagine. And this happened on the um, 29th floor of my master bedroom balcony, right? So I come down the elevator, Guido's outside and in shock. I put my hands on Guido's shoulders and he can tell you this story better than me. And all I kept saying is, Guido, I'm going to help people. 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 I, I went on, a, on an insane loop. That's all I can tell him. He's like, okay, cool. You're going to help people. What happened? He didn't even know. And I said, no, don't worry. I'm going to help people. What happened, Armando? My mom took her life. But I'm going to help people, but I'm going to help people. Like, I think back to that moment, brother, it's insane that innately, I immediately was telling myself, I'm going to help people. And one of the very objective ways that I've helped people is through people helping me. I founded the Miami chapter of the Florida Initiative for SuicidePrevention.org's support group structure. And so many people helped me, you know, to, for this support group, you know, to take place, including 
someone that I consider a dear friend named Francis, but the world knows him as Mayor Francis Suarez of Miami. That amazing human being, when I went to him saying, hey, do you know of anyone that can lend me a conference room? Because I'm going to start this support group and I'm going to host twice a month suicide survivor, amazing human beings that just lost a loved one to suicide. And they're going to come to the support group for hope. And he goes to me, Armando, you're going to use my conference room and my title company, and it's yours. So that's two of hundreds of human beings, brother, Guido and Francis, that have helped me help others. And at the end of the day, I think that's a way to summarize what life is about. It's about helping one another and not paying that help back, but paying that help forward. If we were to be more mindful of that, this world would be significantly happier as we're currently going through a lot of challenges, fam. So I'm sorry if I went in a tangent, but I, I really wanted to uh, give you something tangible on how focusing on the future rather than the past, that's how you make sense. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, what about then like returning to normal life or returning to say life uh, pre your mother's death? Like, did you, you know, did everything change? Did you return to like, was it difficult going back to the gym? Was it difficult going back to your social circles? Like how do you approach those kind uh, of engagements? Brother, everything changed, but for the better. And to give you an idea, man, and, and you know, peak 360 and CrossFit is such at the middle of this story, man. And that's why I think CrossFit is beautiful and it's not the games. It's not the methodology. It's not the programming. It's the fucking community. I'm so sorry. I bleeped that out. It's the community, brother. I it's the community. Ah, okay. <laughs> Fam, the secret sauce of this beautiful thing called CrossFit is the community. You know, uh, the community really loves me, man. And uh, two weeks after when I was able to, you know, peel myself out of bed, you know, Peak 360 and Guido did a, a, a hero wad for my mom, man. And uh, she died, I want to say, at 51, right? So the wad was, you know, Guido's an insane programmer. And when I say insane, I'm saying the good and the bad sense of the word. I would show up to peak sometimes and I'd be like, yo, Guido, are you serious? Like, we're going to do this thing right here on this whiteboard? <laughs> so for this wad fam, you're going to like this story. I don't know how many movements, but it was a lot of movements of 51 reps or 50 or 51 or 54. My mom and was, I forget right now at the time, brother, my PR for pull-ups was, I think 29 unbroken. I showed up and there was like 38 beautiful souls in that gym to do this wad. And a bunch of people did it throughout the day, throughout the week. I think every member at peak did my mom's hero wad. And uh, of that day, I was sleep deprived. I was depressed and life was not very good. And I was not eating, you know, um, and I did 41 unbroken pull-ups. I PR'd by 12 reps. Physiologically, mentally, I was handicapped. Yet, 
spiritually, I was broken. The reason why I did 41 pull-ups, brother, was because of the community. I wasn't doing it for myself. There was 38 other people that were doing it for my mom. And I did those pull-ups out of respect and honor what they were doing for my mom because I couldn't even do it for myself. Man, community is so important. And what CrossFit has done, dude, to help me not only get back to normal, forget normal. My life is so much better today because my parents died by suicide and because I used that adversity to empower me and because I anecdotally know the value of not only the CrossFit community, my wife, my dog, my friends, my work associates, you, brother, you have no idea how much I value you. And what do I know you? Less than 90 minutes, fam. You are officially helping me live my purpose through giving me this platform on this audience, brother. You are such a beautiful human being for doing what you're doing with me. I'll shut up. I get a little emotional and happy and I'm very expressive, dude. Let me have a sip of my coffee. I don't take compliments well either. So it's best we just move on. <laughs> uh, I, I understand, fam. I understand. Um, I was going to ask, so like, um, well, first of all, actually, you mentioned your dog there. Your dog is stunningly beautiful. Like such a lovely dog. I love those Australian sheepdogs. A really, really nice dog. Um, yeah. you, uh, you mentioned suicide survivor groups um earlier on that you set one up in miami like yeah what are like what are your aims with regards to that and i suppose like how do you plan on um you know fulfilling the aims that you have for that type of initiative yeah man you know it started off very humbly right there there wasn't a suicide survivor support group in miami so funny enough as i'm battling through severe depression and feeling so bad i i get on google and I did two things on Google. I Googled what is the happiest country on earth. And that year, there was a worldwide survey, survey, and the country was Costa Rica. I'll circle back to that. Remind me. And then I Googled um, Miami suicide support groups. And there was one that had closed down, but I found this organization, the Florida Initiative for Suicide Prevention. And they were based out of Weston. It was about a 45-minute drive. And they had a support group at the Cleveland Clinic in a conference room. And brother, I just showed up. It was an hour and a half. And I showed up and did not talk for that hour and a half. Maybe very little. And for those that know me, <laughs> it's difficult for me not to talk. I fucking love to talk. <laughs> so and what ended up happening? I showed up a broken man with a broken spirit depressed and hopeless. And I think that poem that I shared with you kind of encapsulates that, that, uh, that depression. 90 minutes later, I felt a million percent better. And want to know why? All I did was listen. What did I listen to? Eight other human beings, I believe there were that day, that have gone through the same experience and were sharing it. It no longer felt like poor little me. It's just me. No one understands me. You see the whole me, me, me thing. Now I become a victim, right? Why? You know, in short, these wonderful human beings 
gave me so much encouragement. And hey, we're with you. We're going through the same suffering. We identify with your silence right now. And the way to get over and overcome is to express versus repress because suicide is a very difficult death, guys. You know, you, um, there's often a lot of shame, you know, and I'll be honest, not only is there shame because you lost a loved one to suicide, there's shame of like, hey, man, I don't want people to think that I'm part of a crazy family mm. that has killed themselves. No, I quickly realized the way that we overcome through the experience I had with these support groups, which were essential in my recovery, is to expressing versus repressing. Because guys, man, when we bottle up these feelings, whatever it is, it could be something as trivial as we have an insecurity because we have too many cowlicks on our head. <laughs> you know, it's like literally something as dumb as that. When it takes energy to repress and that energy could be going to much better things that are uplifting and empowering and that add value to the world. So I believe in expressing versus repressing and the suicide survivor group helped me confirm that that's the way to go. And, and that's what I did. And that was a Google search. And then it was Costa Rica, man, Costa Rica. I went to Costa Rica depressed for 12 days with board shorts and sandals and a beach. And I must admit, a lot of Jägermeister. I was drinking. I was drinking. I was depressed, guys. I was drinking on the beach. But one thing that impacted me about Costa Rica were two words. Pura vida, which stands for pure life. And in a nutshell, because there's many different descriptions of what that means, but the ethos and the philosophy and the culture is to live a simple, uncluttered life with a deep appreciation for nature, family, and friends. Pura vida. And they say hi and bye to each other in Costa Rica, guys, with pura vida. Talk about keeping at the forefront of thought in everyday trivial high and by consciousness what life is about. Let's keep it simple. Let's not complicate it with a lot of clutter and objects. Let's value experiences, nature, family, and friends. Pura vida. Brother, thank you for two Google searches, man. They really helped me. <laughs> um, when, like when all the dust settles and everything and say like now, so many years later, like you must feel pretty invincible when you consider like what you've been through and what you've overcome that like, you know, it kind of, you kind of can't help but think like, fuck, it can't really get much worse. Like surely <laughs> that's it. Like. <laughs> Man, you know, funny, funny you say, I'm, I'm glad you used the word invincible, right? Because I'm not invincible through a projection of strength. I'm invincible through a projection of weakness, of perceived weakness, because I live vulnerable, man. I show tears. I show emotion. I show my imperfections. I talk about what I don't know. And there is strength in that. So I think often we think being invincible is to never have suffered defeat. No, being invincible is to suffer defeat, is to suffer tragedy, is to suffer setbacks and get the fuck back up. That to me is invincible because life is going to knock you down. You know, whether it's losing someone to suicide, 
suicide, a job, a divorce, a shortcoming of any other sorts, right? You know, not obtaining a goal that you set, it's going to knock you down. But being invincible is to be able to get right back up and keep putting your best foot forward. That to me is what being invincible is, brother. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, look, we'll finish with a quick fire. Um, Please. They're all either or, I think. Um, so snatch or clean? Oh, clean all day, fam. Clean all day. Um, yeah. Americano or iced? Americano. Americano, Americano. I suppose butter wouldn't melt in iced coffee or stuff like a Exactly. Because <laughs> there's butter in my coffee. There's never sugar, fam. No sugar, please. Uh, run or roll? Ooh, now I will say run. Before I would say row, I'm, I'm training to uh, to do some big things and summit Mount Denali, and I'm doing a lot of running. So running, my man, running. Do you know, actually, I saw you put that up on your Instagram the other day. Um, you know, Justin that runs Morning Chalk Up. Okay. He's currently training for that. He, I saw him the other day putting up, um, he did box step ups in like boots or whatever with a pack and he had written on it why he was doing it and i was like where have i seen that name before and then i went back and looked it was your story so he's he's training for the same summit i think he's doing it like you know relatively soon i think so you should link up with him and see um what he's doing really brother can i can i um can i do something very cheap right now with you and commit you to something yeah do you mind introducing me to justin i would love to to meet that man you no, know? No that would be amazing it would be an honor brother thank you thank yeah, you no problem um okay uh deadlift or bench Ooh, deadlift all day man all day more um, functional than benching in my opinion yeah show muscles though um a thousand yeah. a thousand meter walking lunge or 500 push-ups a thousand meter walking lunge all day man all day Do you know it. what i actually wrote that question and then as I was sitting, I was trying to think, I had a thousand meter walking lunge. And then I was thinking like, what would be like, you know, a fair, like uh, a fair either or with a thousand meter walking lunge. And I was like picturing it in my head. I was like, right, how far away is a thousand meters from here? And I was like, right. So we walk and lunge. And then I was like, fuck, that's a really long way. I was like, that's so many lunges. And like, I, and then I was like, I was going to say a thousand air squats and i was like no well, it's not really comparable so 500 push-ups is the best i could come up with i wouldn't i don't think i'd be able to do either they both sounds absolutely toxic um but listen i want to thank you for coming on um Please. and i want to thank dylan for putting us in touch um oh, and i want to thank the coaches and members there at peak 360 for pulling you back yes. when you needed it i think like yes. your story is an incredible one i think it deserves to be shared and if the if the end result of what you're planning can match your ambition and your fire for suicide survivors, then I think the future is very bright and look at design ever anything I can do to help just reach out and let me know and I'll do whatever I'm able to do. Brother, you've already done so much for me. You have no idea, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate the time and space and, and the love and, and giving me this platform and audience and uh, do it. If you don't mind, let's keep in touch, man. Would love to uh, grow a friendship with you, man. If you allow yeah. me. 100% look forward to it.